And um, so good to have you here. Um, we are in the second to last week of the 10 series. And um, if you've enjoyed the 10 series, why don't you let us know in the chat right now if you've really enjoyed it. If you haven't enjoyed it, don't let us know. Nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> you can let us know if you haven't liked it. But um, I think it's been a great series for us to do. And so we've got this week and then we've got next week. And then I'm super, super, super excited about the series that we start after the 10. We're going to do a series on hope. And um, it's going to be so, so cool. And so I want you to uh, tune into that. And uh, hopefully we'll be back in person by then. You never know. Um, but we will um, be talking about hope. And I think it's such an incredibly important topic in the season that we're currently in. But right now, right today, we get to do number nine of the 10. And um, I'm so excited about it. You know, I don't know about you, but our world is full of words. Words are just everywhere in our world. Newspapers, TV, social media, texts, emails, uh, phones, books, newspapers, everywhere we go, the internet, magazine, words are absolutely everywhere. There's words coming at us left, right and centre. There's all sorts of stuff being said. There's all sorts of stuff being shared. And I don't know about you, but I find it so hard to kind of work out what's truth and what's lies, and especially in the season that we're in, trying to decipher where the actual truth is in the middle. My mum would always used to say this to me, you know, there's your truth and there's my truth and then there's the truth. And, um, and that's always the same with everything that we look at. And so there's just so many words out there. And so how do you, how do you work out what is true and what are lies? Well, I've got something that's hopefully going to help you today. You'll never figure out whether everything you're hearing out there, whether it's truth or whether it's lies. To some degree, you might. But you know what I'm saying. It's really hard to decipher that. But you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible doesn't actually teach us to try and work out who out there is telling the truth or lying, what the Bible actually teaches us is to be truthful. And if everybody on this planet was truthful, then we'd never have to worry about whether it's truthful or whether it's lies, because if everybody was truthful, we'd be okay. Because Exodus 20 verse 16 says this, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. In other words, don't tell stuff about people that isn't true. Don't share things that are just not true about other people. And here's the reality. How we use or how we abuse the truth affects our relationships with others. And the reason is this. It's not because lies are wrong. It's because lies hurt people. Lies hurt. It's not just that they're wrong. It's that they actually hurt people people. Those little white lies that we tell from time to time to shift the blame from us onto somebody else actually hurt people. Why? Because lies come with a price tag and somebody has to pay the price for the lie. I used to be somebody, and you, maybe you're like this, I don't know, but I used to be somebody who said, I, I don't so much lie, I just modify the truth. <laughs> you know, I just modify it a little bit. I think there are three types of lies that sometimes we either are dealing with or we're doing ourselves. The first one is 
the total lie. And that's like, it's a complete and utter fabrication. There's no truth in it. It's just completely and totally 100% made up. Those are fairly easy to pick out sometimes. The next one is not so easy, and that's what I would call the lie of silence. That's when you fail to mention something that's actually really important. You just leave that bit out. It's not that you didn't, it's not that you lied about it, you just were quiet about it. You just didn't really share it. You failed to mention a significant fact. You left it out on purpose. That's still a lie. Or else there's the lie of the misleading hint. You know, when you put all the information out there and let people come to their own conclusions, but you're, you're putting it out there so that they assemble it together in a particular direction that you want it to go. Those are all lies. They may not be fully fabricated, but if you're leaving something out, and, and look, I've done this in the past too. I, I didn't lie. Yeah, but you never mentioned that. Yeah, but I didn't lie. It's, you're still leaving it out. You're still doing that on purpose. Why? Because you don't really want people to know the truth. And I, I'll tell you this, the worst lie that we can ever do is the lie we tell to ourselves. And the reason why we lie to ourselves is because we want to protect ourselves from who we really are because we want to be who we think we are. And so we lie to ourselves about who we really are so that we can pretend to be who we think we are instead of being who we really are. We actually use lies to cover up who we really are and what our problems genuinely are. We use lies to protect ourselves and to cover things up rather than to be honest about what's happening in our world. You know, I, I don't really read the newspaper anymore, but I used to read the newspaper a few years ago, and I, there's a particular section in the newspaper that I actually really, really liked. And it was a section which talked about all these dumb, dumb people that had committed crimes and then got caught. So, like, for example, um, there was this guy that robbed a bank, stole $300,000 from the bank, and then he walked two blocks to his bank and deposited the money. <laughs> it's like, hello? You know, like, the police are going to be out there looking for this amount of money. So you, you steal from, it'd be like going down to Pukekohe and robbing the ASB and walking down to the BNZ and depositing the money. It's like, you're an idiot. You're going to get caught, yeah? But there was this one case that I thought was just absolutely hilarious. And it was, it was about this guy who had had a crash drunk driving. So he crashed driving drunk, right? He hopped in the car, he made a choice, he drove the car drunk. But what, what the court case was, was not against him, but he had brought a court case against the pub owner because it was the pub owner's fault because he served him alcohol. If the pub owner had not served him alcohol but gave him coke instead, he never would have driven drunk and then he never would have had the crash. So it's not his fault, it's the pub owner's fault. You see, we're prepared to do almost anything other than admit that we're guilty. We're prepared to do just about almost anything than admit that we are guilty. And why? In order to deny our accountability, we accumulate all sorts of explanations 
and excuses for our shortcomings. We say that it's our parents' fault, it was the way that we were raised, it was our school, it was that teacher, it's our genes, it's in our genes, it's because of the genes that I have, it's our hormones. We, we blame all sorts of things for the reason why we are who we are. We have all sorts of explanations and excuses for those things. And, and here's the thing, it's, it's like we would do everything but be honest about what's going on with us. And I just think you and I just have to think really carefully before we blame others or we blame things for why the way we are. Because if we are blaming others for what's happening in our lives, if we're blaming circumstances for what's happening in our lives, then really what we're saying is that we are hopeless victims of events. We're hopeless victims of events. And what we are saying is that we don't have the freedom or the potential to rise above our difficult situations. But by blaming everybody else for why we have what we have in our world, what we're saying is that we are victims to people, we're victims to circumstance, and we do not have the potential, the freedom, the authority in God to rise above our circumstances. We're, we're making ourselves victims to things. We have to be so aware of the power of our tongues. In James 3, 8, it says this, But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That makes me feel so good. Doesn't it make you feel so good today? Here's the thing. The problem with the tongue is that words are so easily spoken. And because words are so easily spoken, words can be so easily spread. Because they just fall out of our mouths so easily, they're easily spread. And the problem in spreading some of these things is as soon as you say it, it becomes irretrievable. As soon as you speak it, you can't put that back in your mouth again. You can't uh, 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 take that back. And, and not only are the words spoken irretrievable, in other words, you can't take back what you said, those words live on in the souls of people for years. That's why you can have people that are in their 40s and their 50s that are so messed up because of the words that people have spoken over their lives. Once spoken, you can't take them back. And so when we talk, we have to make sure that we do it well and we do it truthfully. Why? Remember, there's a price of lying. There's a price when we lie. People pay a price, and we pay a price when we're not truthful. See, because lies have a habit of growing as well. Martin Luther said this. He said, lies are like a snowball. As it rolls, the bigger it gets. You, you know this. I don't know about you, but, but when I was younger, and, and here's the great thing about kids. Kids don't have to be taught to lie. It's just inherent in us, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like, like you, as a parent, you don't have to sit down and go, hey, kids, let me teach you how to lie. And there's not a parent ever that's ever had to do that with their kids. There's plenty of parents that had to say, hey, I need to tell you about why lies are not good. 
You know, it's inherent. And, and here's the problem when we lie, is we then have to tell another lie to cover that lie, and then another lie to cover the lie that's covering the lie that we said first, and now we've got another lie to cover that lie, to cover that lie, to cover this lie. And before you know it, you've got so many lies running around, you can't remember which one was first, second, third, or fourth. And, and here's the cool thing. When you speak the truth, you never have to try to remember what happened because it's the same every single time. But lies, we just, they accumulate and we tell one after another after another. And, and the problem is the more lies we tell, the more chance that the walls of that come crumbling down around us and we get discovered. Lies also affect the liar. What it do is they dull our sense of who we really are and what reality really is. And that's why we're going to be so careful that we don't lie to ourselves. If we lie all the time, the other thing that happens is we start to think that everybody else is too. And then we start doubting our friends and our families whether they're telling us the truth and maybe they're lying to us. It also stops us from coming to God because the key thing about coming to God is that, is that we grow. And when we grow in God, the way that we grow in God is by admitting our wrong attitudes and our wrong actions. And so instead of opening ourselves up to God so God can come in and correct the attitudes and correct the actions and set us free from some of the stuff that we've done and heal us from some of the pain, what we do is we, we continue to tell lie to cover it up and cover it up and cover it up. And instead of coming to God and going, here I am, here's all of me, take me, shape me, make me and heal me, he can never get in there to do his work because we just keep covering it up. The other thing that we've got to do is we've got to shun gossip. We've, got to, we've really got to make sure that gossip doesn't come out of our mouths. Earl Wilson said this, gossip is when you hear something you like about someone you don't like. Isn't that true? So, hey, hey, let me, let me tell you about, let me tell you about Johnny. And, and there's almost an excitement in their voice because something has gone bad for somebody they don't like. And they can't wait to tell everybody about what Johnny did because I don't like Johnny and so I need everybody to know. That's just gossip. When, when you get a thrill out of telling a story about somebody that you don't like, about how bad something has gone for them, that's gossip. Because gossip is repeating private information to someone that is neither part of the problem or part of the solution. If the person isn't part of the problem or part of the solution, you shouldn't be telling them. It's got nothing to do with them because gossip is usually always against our neighbor. And the thing about gossip that makes it so potentially hurtful and powerful is that it doesn't actually have to be true to have a result. And I, I might have shared this story before, but I share it again Paul Holmes, who used to be a media guy in New Zealand, years ago made an accusation against Save the Children and said that 
that they were using all the money to pay for private jets and blah, 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 blah. And all these people stopped giving to save the children. In the meantime, the serious fraud office did an investigation into Feed the Children, and what they found was 90% of the money that was given ended up in the hands of the kids, helping kids. Only 10% was used for running the organisation, and so they were found to be not guilty of using the money anyway. But there was never, ever a comment from Paul Holmes going, oh, I got it wrong. And in the meantime, Save the Children lost hundreds of thousands of dollars of support because of a gossip lie that wasn't even true but had the effect. Proverbs says this in chapter 26, verse 20 and 22, it says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's innermost part. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Here's the thing. There's not a person listening that probably can't think of someone in their world that's a gossip. In fact, if I asked you to type into the chat right now, someone that you know, you would have a name. Don't do that, because that would be really wrong. But you have someone in mind straight away as soon as I say that. And here's the thing. We, we identify gossipers really easy. What we don't identify is that we're gossipers. We, we see it in everybody else, but we fail to see it in us a lot of the time. And the reason why we don't see it in us a lot of the time is because what we tell ourselves is this, is that we're just simply interested in being kept well informed about what's going on. We're just letting people know what's going on. What's happening? No, you're not. You're being a gossip. There's been stories told about me and Trinity in the last 14 years that we've been here that are just blatantly untrue. Blatantly untrue. And it's just gossip. It's just, but people have believed it. I got accosted on the main street of, of Pukekohe one day by someone from another church saying, I heard that you've done this and this and this and this in your church. What do you have to say for yourself? It's like, nothing. One, you're not in my church. And two, it's lies. And I've got somewhere to be. So see you later, pal. What I really wanted, that's what I said. What I thought in my head was, does your mum sew? Get her to headbutt him and say, stitch that. That's my little joke for the morning. Or do you like hospital food? (laughs) Sorry, it's been a long time in lockdown. I'm starting to go insane. See, one thing we can do is we can monitor what we're saying. We might ask ourselves, what we're about to say, does it include anything that might be termed as gossip? Here's here's kind of how I kind of gauge whether what I should say is what I should say or what, I sh- what I'm about to say is something I shouldn't say. I think of it this way. If I wrote that down, could I sign it as saying that that's true? Would I put my name to it if it was written down and went out? Would I, would I put my name to it? Because if you're not prepared to put your name to the story, then you shouldn't share it. Let's also be people that, that stop gossip, not only 
people, I'm not saying that all of you are gossipers, but let's be people that stop gossip. Let's not let people gossip about other people. In fact, we should be vigilant in stopping it from happening. We need to avoid it. We need to avoid gossiping because to tell you what, there are way more better things to talk about than me. And I'm telling you, we need to become people of truth. And the reason why we struggle sometimes to become people of truth is because telling the truth can be costly and uncomfortable, and it tends to go against our nature. I remember a few years ago, or a long time ago, probably a good 20 years ago, I had to tell my best friend that his wife was having an affair on him. I had to tell him. Everybody knew, but nobody was telling him. I had to tell him. It was hurtful. It was costly. It was uncomfortable. I lost my friendship over him, not because he was upset that I told him. He's always been thankful that I did that, but I was the one that told him. And so I lost a friendship over that because every time he saw me, it reminded him. Truth sometimes can be costly and uncomfortable because it goes against our nature, but it's the right thing to do. And so sometimes we, we have these thought processes like, how do we deal with this? Do, do, we, do we lie to protect the person's feelings? Like, I don't want to hurt anyone. Do I, do I lie about my age? Because I don't want anyone to think I'm older than I currently am. So let me suggest, as we come to a conclusion, let me suggest some principles that we can probably put into our lives that will help us to become people of truth. The first thing is, is I think you should be open. You see, because sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, we tend to lean away from honesty. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the first thing they did was try to cover it up. So we tend to have in our DNA a, a, a thing to avoid or lean away from honesty. We tend to want to cover up things or blame someone else, sweep it under the carpet, and to have secrets. Now, now, don't get me wrong, there are some good secrets, like a surprise birthday party. Um, another good secret is the PIN number to your credit card. You don't want to be sharing that. Um, there are some good secrets, but many people have things that have happened to them in the past that haunt them, that cripple them, and they need to be dealt with. And the only way that you can deal with them is that you need to talk about it because those secrets are affecting you in a bad way. My mum used to always say this, a problem shared is a problem halved. In fact, the scripture teaches us this, that when we confess to one another and pray for one another, then we're healed. There's power in speaking out what has happened. Finding the right person, absolutely. But it's, I think it's time for some of you to unburden yourself for something that you've been carrying around maybe for years. Maybe things in your past that you need to face up to and be honest about. Because remember, it's the truth that sets you free. Covering it up will not help you. Openness can also help before a serious problem occurs. Being honest about some of your struggles can sometimes stop you from actually making bigger mistakes than before you get there. We need to be accountable and we need to find someone of the same sex that we can be honest with and that we can that can ask us the tough questions. We, we need to be open. We need to be honest. We need to find the right person that we can do that with. Unburden ourselves from stuff. Because once we're open and we're honest, then we can be an encourager. 
and we can speak the truth. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. I think that's a concept that has been taken out of context in Christianity because it's almost like the opening line for you to say whatever you want and hurt the person's feeling. But because you said, I'm speaking the truth in love, that somehow that makes it okay. That's not in love. Just because you said, I'm speaking this to you in love, doesn't mean that you're doing it in love. The scriptures really, in fact, the Bible says this, love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, love doesn't, doesn't sweep it under the carpet, but it protects the person that's sinning. As someone who's, who's telling you the truth in love doesn't do it to hurt you. They do it to protect you, and they don't let everybody else know about. They create a protection over your world. They cover it so that it can be dealt with, healed, and nobody else has to know about it. That's telling the truth in love. And so before we speak, I think we need to think. T-H-I-N-K, think. The first T, is it true? Is about what I'm about to say, is it true? Not your opinion or not how you feel about it. Is it true? Second thing is H, is it helpful? Is this actually going to be helpful? Sometimes we criticize people for stuff that they can't actually control. I remember I had a youth leader that always turned up late to youth years ago. And I remember having a go at him about it week after week until somebody said to me, hey, it's not his fault. His unsaved parents drop him off half an hour late every week. It's not his fault. So it's not helpful for me to have a go at him about something that's not anything that he can control. The next one is I. Is it inspiring? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Because because you can either be like some people today and try to motivate people with fear, or you can inspire people to change. Inspire, is it inspiring? In, is it necessary? Do you absolutely have to do this? Do you have to say something? Really? Like there are many things that I've seen in people's lives over the years, and, and I've not said anything because I just figure... In some cases, I just sense that God's going to deal with that. It's not necessary for me to say something. Sometimes it is, but on a whole, it's not. And then K, is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Now, when I think kind, it, I'm not talking about going around doing, you know, just being nice about it all the time. Sometimes, to be kind means you've got to tell people what's really going on in their world. That's kindness sometimes. As we make a commitment to telling the truth, let's make a commitment to think before we speak. As we set out to encourage each other, let's not fall into the trap of flattery, though. I can't stand flattery. Flattery is insincere praise. You know, you know those people. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. We're all awesome. And you know, they tell you. I had a, a he's a friend, but it's like every time you're awesome. You're a legend. You're amazing. You know, you you keep on saying that over and over again, even though you're doing nothing awesome. It's just flattery. And you know what? Even when it's true praise. Because you've said it so often when it's not valid, it doesn't sit. It just goes in one ear and out the other. 
So even when you do do something amazing and they tell you you've done something amazing, you don't believe it because of false flattery that always comes your way. Like, if I, think you're, if I tell you you're awesome, it's because you've done something awesome. I just don't throw it around. I think you know that if you know me well enough. We compliment something. We compliment someone for something. But we don't really mean what we say. That's what flattery is. Flattery. Flattery actually doesn't help people. Here's what Philippians says in 4.8. It says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, and listen to this, and worthy of praise. Let's make sure that we are praising people, but let's make sure it's worthy of praise. You know, it's one of my pet peeves sometimes when I go around different places and, you know, like I love encouragement when I'm preaching, but because I've said something good, not because I said, I went to the shop and, it, oh, wow, that's amazing, so good. No, it's not. Everyone goes to the shop. It's not anything special. So, like, I'm all for encouraging people when they're preaching, but make sure it's because it's something worth encouraging. Anyway, it will get off my little hobby horse. The last thing I want to say to you is be true to your word. Be open, be true to your word. Psalm, I love this, Psalm 15, 1 to 4. Maddie, you can come now if you want. Psalm 15, 1 to 4 says this, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Listen to what he's saying. Who can enter your sanctuary? Who can be in your presence? Who can be in that space? And this is what he says. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, listening, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors, or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Who can ascend to God's presence? Who can ascend to the sanctuary of God? Those who speak truth with sincere hearts and refuse to gossip. What gets you into God's presence is not the works you do, but the truth and the sincerity of your words. That's what gets you into His presence. Those who don't speak evil of their friends and keep their promises even when it hurts. We need to be people of truth. We are to be people of the Word of God. Matthew 5.37 says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why? Because broken promises break relationships. Broken promises break relationships. They cause hurt and pain. They spread mistrust and generate an unhealthy questioning of everything else that has ever been promised or will be promised. You know, like, I know this is a hard one to keep your word and because I always have great intentions. And I can remember, I mean, Trinity and I have been married 27 years, and I can remember probably two years into our marriage, Trinity said, can we go to Hawaii? And I said, one day, darling. 
one day. And the intention of my heart was is that I wanted to take her to Hawaii. But my response for years and years and years was one day, one day, and to the point where she stopped asking, and so I would start saying, I'm going to take you to Hawaii one day. And the look on her face was always one of whatever. That'll never happen. And it was probably 24 years into our marriage where I just realized, I just got to make it happen. And so I just booked the flights and worked out how I was going to pay for it afterwards. And took her to Hawaii for her 25th wedding anniversary because I've promised her. And hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And so you've got to make sure you keep your promises. And I know some of you have good intentions, but the Bible also says this, no one builds a tower without first sitting down and working out what the cost is going to be. And I encourage you, just make sure you thought through what you're about to promise. Make sure you thought it through before you say it. To be true to our word means to think carefully about what is involved before we make a promise, not after we make the promise, but before. It may mean that we need to be prepared to say no now rather than break our word later. It might be better to say no now than to break your word later. The thing about this command is that this command reminds us that speaking is a really serious matter. What we say matters. And we live in a society today that treats words far too lightly. It used to be, you know, the way they'll do business in the old days was, if I give you my word, now there's lawyers and contracts and because people aren't people of their word anymore. People say all sorts of things to get the deals that they want. We treat words too lightly. Honesty and what we say is vital for the health of our society, for the health of our relationships, and for the health of us as individuals. Can I encourage you to become people of truth? You might already be someone of truth, but let's make sure we work really hard at being people of truth, that we find out how to say things in love, that we think before we say things, that we make sure that we are open and honest with the right people about what's going on in our world so that God can heal us and transform us. And I want to tell you now, if every single person on the face of our planet started to live by these principles, we would never have to worry about whether people are lying. There'll be no conspiracy theories in the world because there'd only be honesty and openness and truth. And that's why this commandment exists because God wants us to be honest and truthful with each other. Hey, I want to pray for you today that if this is maybe an area that you struggle with, and, and can I be honest with you, lying is an area that I struggled with a lot in my early years. I, I, I lied a lot. You know, I can remember lying about all sorts of things to my parents. Um, some of them were the, just the dumbest things on the place, face of the planet. In fact, there were times where Dad actually saw me do something and I'd lie about whether I did it or not. I was just really dumb. That's what lying does, it makes you dumb. 
I can remember sitting down with Madison when she was little. She was probably about six years of age. And I said to her, honey, lying's not cool. And she goes, why would you tell the truth, though, if you can lie and get away with it? And I said this, and it's a saying that parents have been saying for centuries, and maybe your parents said this to you. Beware your sins will find you out. Lying always has a way of coming out. You always get discovered. In fact, Jesus said this, what's done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. Why, why did he say that? Is he trying to hurt you? No, he's just saying, if you keep on doing stuff like that, I love you too much to let you destroy yourself in private that I'll shout it out in public so you actually get the help that you need. Because huh. while we're doing stuff in private, we think we're okay. I want to tell you, I, I want to be open and honest with you, with my family, with Trinity, because honesty is always the best policy.